in times of confusion, adhere to bedrock principles, keep right. When in doubt, let conscience light the way, keep right. Amidst cultural confusion, reflect upon our history, keep right. Keep right with Ralph K. Genorio. There is no such thing as a post-Christian West or a post-Christian American Republic. Alex Alexis de Tocqueville once wrote in his famous Democracy in America that one of the truly amazing things about the United States in the 1820s when he wrote was that people in the wilderness, on the frontier, did the right thing most of the time without a government official standing over them watching everything they do, without courthouses and gendarmes nearby to enforce the law. No, Americans, for the most part, most of the time, did the right thing spontaneously by their own decision. And de Tocqueville credits this with our faith. The Christian faith is the germ around which the West has grown. Neither the pre-classical river civilizations of Egypt and Mesopotamia are the West. The ancient Greeks are not quite the West. They are a progenitor. The ancient Romans of the Republic and the Empire are not quite the West. They are a progenitor. The early Christian church is not quite the West. It is a progenitor. And the Germanic and Gothic barbarians that conquer Western Roman Empire is also not quite the West. They are progenitors. All of these progenitors come together in a nexus in the early Middle Ages after the fall of Rome in Western Europe. And you take the fundaments of civilization from Egypt and Mesopotamia, the fundaments of creativity and the valuing of the individual mind from Greece, the notions of civic duty and the restraint of power for government on the part of the Roman Republic, and the notions of a efficient, smooth-running, massive government, global government, if you will, from the Roman Empire, as well as the basis of all modern Western military science. And combine this with the Judeo-Christian notion that God did not create groups, God created individuals, and that Christ did not come to save groups, he came to save each individual person. God gave each of us a soul, according to the Judeo-Christian idea. God cares about each of us. And you combine that with the German notion, the Germanic and Gothic notion, that everyday life should have lifestyle freedom, that freedom is not merely a matter of philosophy or voting, it's also a matter of being left alone. Yes, I have a king, but I am a free man carrying a spear for my king because my king's primary duty in the Germanic and Gothic tribes is to guarantee and protect my rights as a free man. It is all of these things 
that come together to form Western civilization in the early Middle Ages or Dark Ages in Western Europe. The only one of these that survives intact from ancient times into this period of Western formation is the Western Christian Church, which later morphs into the Roman Catholic Church, the various Protestant and Reformed Christian churches in the West. The Western Christian Church is the only institution that survives the ancient world who has, which has a continental-sized scope, which communicates across a continental scale. It is, in effect, the central nervous system of the West. And whenever a new society, whether it's the Anglo-Saxons or the Vikings or the Magyars, wants to join the West, what they have to do is become Christian. Becoming Christian is absolutely essential to being an active member of Western civilization. People understood this, both inside and outside of the West. You could not really make peace until you had accepted the Christian notions that peace and civilian life were good things in and of themselves, which is different from the warrior cultures, not only of the barbarians, but of Greece and Rome. The Christian notion God cares for each individual, that each individual, regardless of how beautiful or ugly, smart or stupid, winsome or annoying they are, is precious to God and has a bit of God in them, is the basis for our Enlightenment philosophies which bring about liberal democracy in the West, particularly the American Republic. We function from colonial times up through at least the 1960s and 70s as an overtly Judeo-Christian society, which is tolerant of other ideas. A Judeo-Christian norm that doesn't persecute those who are not of that norm, so long as they are willing to adapt themselves in harmony with that. So, saying Merry Christmas was normal. You expected it. And if you were a Muslim who had immigrated from Lebanon in the early 1900s, you didn't get on your high horse and ask, well, didn't you know I was a Muslim? No. You understood this is America. Like learning the English language, like learning to get a job, you accept that part of mainstream life in America has its default setting within Judeo-Christian norms. It's only in the post-modernist, deconstructivist, morally relativistic, intellectual climate in the that flowers in the 1960s and has been plaguing us ever since that academics decide to ask the question, why should Christianity, Judeo-Christian ideas, and even Western sensibilities be the default setting within the United States? 
Don't we believe in freedom of religion? Don't we accept, even if there is no phrase like this in any of our founding documents, that it's healthy to have a separation between church and state? Yeah. So in innocence, a number of Americans who were not motivated Marxists or committed deconstructivists or determined postmodernists who wanted to destroy the West and replace it with a new socialist utopia were led down the garden path. Why shouldn't we have prayers to Satan or to, in the Buddhist tradition, or Shinto or Hindu or pagan? Why shouldn't we have Eastern Orthodox prayers and Coptic Christian prayers and atheistic invocations? Why should we not hearken back to the Druids or the Swedish pagans in our public life? Why, why should we have Christmas holidays and Easter vacations and Thanksgiving any more than why should we celebrate Columbus's discovery of America. All of these things get called into question to the point where now saying Merry Christmas is controversial. No. I first was brought to this when a friend of mine graduated from the Princeton Theological Seminary in the early 1990s. And the president of that seminary, in the graduation address, his, his graduation address, said to the young crop of ministers graduating from probably the most prestigious Protestant seminary in the United States. Unlike my generation, the president of Princeton Theological Seminary said, unlike my generation, you are not going out into a Christian society. You are going out into a society that is no longer Christian. It's exciting because like the early Christian church, you're going out among people who don't understand Christianity anymore. You're going to remissionize the society if you're successful. But it's not Christian. Don't assume it is. And he's right. The elites within our society have turned against Judeo-Christian norms, Western traditions, overtly, with the intent of destroying and replacing them with their bright, shiny new utopia. It hasn't helped that the elites within the Catholic, Protestant, and Reformed Christian churches have also been captured by a degree of modernistic corruption. From the taking of Rome by the Kingdom of Italy in 1871, through the death of Pope Pius XII in, I think, 1958, the Roman Catholic Church was determinedly anti-modernist saying that as ubiquitously powerful and potent as 20th century society was, we will not compromise with it. 20th century society must compromise with us, must account for those universal truths that we purport to espouse. And mainstream Protestant denominations and Reformed Christian denominations um, followed Similar paths, although not quite as determinedly anti-modernist. But under Pope John XXIII in the early 1960s, Vatican Council II was held and the church was changed. Roman Catholic Church became a modern church. 
Latin Rite Mass was abandoned for vernacular services. The church was no longer the community guided by the Holy Spirit. It was the people of God. And there was to be a preferential option for the poor, the seeds of social justice movements and liberation theology, which is basically communism with Christ, variant of Christ, an effigy or a caricature of Christ, was established as the new normal. And many Protestant churches went along with this in their own way, of course, because they're independent. I can tell you that the Presbyterian Church USA had a number of its people in leadership who engaged in Congress with one another at meetings where they decided to swap wives or engage in other not quite vanilla activities in the late 60s and early 70s. The founder of the National American Man-Boy Love Association, NAMBLA, one of the most evil organizations ever to hatch anywhere in the world at any time, was co-founded by a Roman Catholic priest in the late 1970s. I guess what I'm saying is one of the reasons why Judeo-Christian norms and Western traditions have more easily been shuffled to the irrelevant is because the very institutions of church have been corrupted by either liberation theology on the one hand or fundamentalism on the other. Neither liberation theology nor fundamentalism is particularly oriented towards living from a basis of Christian love. Liberation theology imports Marxian class consciousness into the Christian movement, saying that you are a member of a group and that your group orientation, your group identity is much more important than any individual individuality that you might have. You're a member of a group and you owe it to the unfortunate, displaced and marginalized poverty-ridden groups to equalize society by any means, redistribute wealth and power, create a new utopia. That is not the orientation of a church that for nearly 2,000 years echoed Christ when he said that the poor are with us always, but it's our duty as people, as individuals, to do something, to help the poor. At the same time, the fundamentalist movement which not only exists within Christianity, but in Islam, in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in every religion, as well as in every modern post-industrial and post-industrial uh, ideology, fundamentalism says that all of reality can be reduced to a simple rule book, whether it's Mao's Little Red Book or a particular Christian pronunciation. And anyone that does not scrupulously adhere to the rules must be ferreted out, exposed, punished. And if they apologize, bring them back. And if they don't, shun them. Both liberation theology, fundamentalism, are far more concerned with human power dynamics than they are about living in imitation of Christ. 
so it's not easy, and it has not been easy for mainstream Christians and Jews within the West to speak proudly of why the Judeo-Christian element is the absolute essential to an ongoing freedom and to an ongoing Western civilization. In fact, it is the Judeo-Christian values which made possible the spontaneous self-control which Alexis de Tocqueville admired so very much over well, about 200 years ago. And as civically minded as the members of the Roman Republic were, there was a sense of bleak hopelessness in the sense of civic duty that the Romans had, in the sense that all of this has happened before, all of this will happen again, all of this, this life stuff might not end well, probably won't. In fact, if you look at your Eurasian myths and folklore, it's much more dark, like the original Brother Grimm stories, than anything that we in the United States produce with Disney or happy endings. The point I'm trying to get at is that the Judeo-Christian tradition, which has been sidelined for my entire lifetime, for over the last 50 years, from the top down in our society, by institutions of church and of state and of everyday life and culture and uh, how we interact in society, all of it has been marginalized in the name of equity, in the name of religious toleration, a caricature of religious toleration that says that we have to have a default setting of atheism. With the result that we are even a less Christian society in the 2020s as we were in the early 1990s. Is it any wonder that random acts of violence and crime are on the rise, that more and more it is the police and not the people themselves that hold civilians to a high standard of conduct, that we are treated by our government as a bunch of selfish consumers, like a bunch of hogs eating at the trough, rather than as the independent-minded free citizens that are the proper masters of our government by, of, and for the people. It is only with the mainstream, traditional, Judeo-Christian notion of how an individual relates to God, dictating how an individual relates to society, to their loved ones, to their own hopes and dreams. It is only that Judeo-Christian element of hope and love and genuine tolerance standing for the dignity of man under God. And that has been betrayed at almost every level by almost every institution that has been infiltrated by people who just don't believe in it anymore. 
it's important that we recognize this and that we stand our ground, not obnoxiously, not obnoxiously, not with the intent of trying to prove God exists or prove that our variant of belief is the bestest ever. No. It is important for us to understand the essential need for Judeo-Christian values within us, our lives, our relationships, our society, and our nation, and the world. And instead of preaching and declaiming and condemning and shunning and playing all these power games, we should try to lead good lives, decent lives, generous lives, rooted in a form of love, rooted in the belief that there is a God, he does care about what we do and who we are, and he wishes us well. In fact, better than we could ever wish for ourselves or one another, to have some humility and try to show Judeo-Christian values in something other than a liberation theologian's or a fundamentalist's fever dream, to show it as a way towards a life filled with sanity, generosity, and good works and meaning. There is no such thing as a post-Christian West. There is no such thing as a post-Christian American Republic. Thank you for listening. Please share and subscribe. Remember, we are each connected to the great Western tradition going back to before Christ and Caesar. It is for us to carry that tradition forward by willingly bearing the burden of eternal vigilance. Freedom is only for the brave.